love what Illinois has done this season. Wide open is Reed. He's got a touchdown, Michigan State. They were going to go beat Illinois anyways. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Oh, it is Kenny and Heilprin. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Wisconsin is alive in the Big Ten West. I'm Ben Kenny. That is Mr. Zach Heilprin. What up, Zach? How you doing, Ben? I'm having a great Tuesday. I am. I'm doing terrific. I said last week entering uh, the weekend that I did not want to start that Tuesday show outlining Wisconsin's path to win the West. That was when Illinois was battling with Nebraska before they pulled away. Then, against all odds, Michigan State down a bunch of their starters, go into Champaign. They beat Illinois this weekend. So, as I have said I would do, I guess I'm a little more excited to do it now because we're in trophy game season when, you know, divisions are won and rivalries and all that stuff. So, if the Badgers win out at Iowa, at Nebraska, at home against Minnesota, and Illinois loses two out of three at home against Purdue, at Michigan, and at Northwestern, Wisconsin will win the Big Ten West. The thing is, you can also say that about Minnesota and Iowa, but Wisconsin plays both Minnesota and Iowa, so those games would be the swing ones if Illinois were to drop two out of three. So there you are. Wisconsin's alive in the West. That is some weak, weak analysis. People are wondering what happens. Yeah, of course, if Illinois loses twice and Wisconsin wins out, they're going to be the Big Ten West champion. What happens if Illinois loses once? And there's a multi-way tie at the top. Well, Wisconsin, I don't believe, would win in that scenario. That's why I didn't include it. Why didn't you look through that? I did look through it, but Wisconsin wouldn't win in that scenario. There are so many scenarios where they lose. There's a scenario where Northwestern wins. Is this? Yeah, you ever watch, did you ever watch the Avengers? No. Okay. None well, of them. People that people that are listening to this that have seen the Avengers and and the final the final movie and where Doctor Strange says to Tony Stark, "There's one." In a million? Is this essentially the, or it was actually one in like 14 million, whatever it was. Is this like the one, the only way that it happens? The one way Illinois has to lose two of their last three? It's not the only way, but if Illinois or if Wisconsin loses one of the three, I'm sure there are backdoor ways. But I am, I've set my sights. I've set all of my focus on this way being really the only realistic one. Okay. Because I could go through, it would take a whole show. Northwestern's alive, right? All seven teams have a chance to win it. There are a couple scenarios where all seven teams are tied and Northwestern wins out of that because of all the different criteria they have. But again, that take a whole show for Badger fans. To me, it's simple. You want Purdue to beat Illinois. You want Wisconsin to win out, and then you want Michigan to take care of business. I think there were a lot of people just hoping for more from you uh, because you you kind of built this up as this was going to be like a whole big production. And it turns out it's, Three sentences. Well, uh, I've disappointed in the past. I guess I've disappointed again. I mean, I, I sent people over here from the camp to listen to this because I'm like, I'm not going to do it because this is a Ben. This is a Ben Kenny thing. He enjoys doing this type of stuff. I, I actually said I turned down <laughs> questions. It's like Twitter questions. I'm like, no, no, no. Ben Kenny's going to take care of this on Tuesday. He's got this all wrapped up. Maybe you bring it Thursday. Maybe maybe you put it all together and, and come up with all the ways that Wisconsin wins the West, and we can talk about it on Thursday. Yes, I could bring every scenario. Yeah, that's what that's what I think we're all looking for. When you say Wisconsin's path to the West, we're not looking for the only path to the West. We're looking for paths to the West. Well, they had a path last week, and I decided I, I neglected to share it because yes. I didn't think it was realistic. Well, that's
then you're going to break out some more paths? Or no, because you're already saying they're going to lose. They have to lose. It's in, is it until they lose twice? Lose once? Like, when are you going to break out these other paths? That's a great question. I guess you're going to have to keep listening to to find that out. We're going to talk about the Big Ten West <laughs> coming up here in a little bit. I, it was an interesting weekend there. It is a jumble at the top. And then the Badgers go to Iowa this weekend, Illinois against Purdue. However, Zach, the football game that happened in our backyard, a, a messy backyard on Saturday, real November Big Ten football weather. Ohio State was down in, in Evanston. They looked like a team that couldn't play outdoors. No wonder they want college football playoff games inside. Uh, couldn't really do anything with the wind. But the Badgers 23, Maryland 10, an impressive win. What'd you think? I kind of wish the game was on grass. I kind of, with all the rain, with all the wind, it kind of felt like a game that should have been played on grass. Um, it was a game that no one will remember <laughs> at any point in their entire life. Uh, we, were, we were talking about in the press box. It's just, it was just, you know, Wisconsin jumped out to that lead. It was kind of a really crappy um, weather, which made for really a horrible um, game offensively for both teams, especially, you know, trying to pass the ball. So, I mean, it, it wasn't pretty. There weren't a whole lot of standout performances, uh, you would say. But there were a couple of interesting things, right? You get the offensive line lined up for the first time, the top five guys that you think Wisconsin is, wants to have out there with Trey Wedding at right guard and Riley Malman at right tackle and Tanner Bordellini at left guard. You have those five. That's It looked like a pretty good unit. And then you get Isaac Grando breakout game, everything we've been talking about, how everybody wanted to see that speed out in space. I'll be honest, and I'm not joking. As soon as he made the first guy miss in the hole and started breaking out to the right, I'm like he's gone. And I didn't actually, I don't know if I believed it, but I just say that every time Isaac Grendel gets like five yards past the line of scrimmage because he's got that type of speed to take it any time. And then on defense, Hunter Wolder coming back and their ability to be a little bit more um, diverse in the way that Jim Leonard can line them up. I mean, on his interception, he was playing outside linebacker. They had three safeties on the field, and it was only three safeties by name. He was an outside linebacker. Nick Herbig said he's he's part of the group when uh, when he's out on the field and he's lined up where he is. And he just made a great play. Like those, we, I think we found out how much they missed Hunter Waller and they missed Alexander Smith uh, these last few weeks. Yeah, health definitely a, a key in the game. You mentioned the offensive line and, and Wisconsin uh, full game total yards three fifty five to one eighty nine, and a bunch of those one eighty nine for Maryland came late in the game when they brought it uh, twenty three to ten. 77 and 77 each side passing the football. Maryland did it in five more attempts. And then Wisconsin ran the hell out of the ball. Six yards per carry, 46 rushing attempts, and they win uh, 15 first downs to nine first downs. They win 23 to 10. We mentioned health, and Riley Mallman is another one of those guys along the line. You talk about the line, and the story of this game was the defense to me, uh, and we'll get to Bowler being part of that uh, in a second. I thought this game turned in the second quarter where you have uh, Garendo comes in at running back. They were mixing and matching Allen and Garendo up there. You have a huge Braylon Allen run that gets wiped out by a Chimray DK hold. And this team has faced adversity overall in the season, uh, really throughout. They've also faced in-game adversity a lot. And we saw most times Graham Mertz be able to make a play or somebody. But then the rest of that drive, uh, Jack Nelson just went crazy at left tackle. You have the jet sweep to Skylar Bell going all the way down the field. Uh, the offensive line cooked. Braylon Allen rushing touchdown. It becomes 7 to nothing, And then the defense really continued to ball. 
and 14 nothing at halftime after the Garendo 90-yard scamper. And it, it felt like Maryland was trying to play uphill the whole game. And that's a testament to the defense. But yeah, I meant like the defense was the story of the game to me. And easy to say when Wisconsin scores 23 and Graham Mertz statistically didn't play great, but we'll get to his performance in a second. You go back to the Purdue game, Zach. It felt like, yes, the defense, John Torchio pick six. The defense was coming up with plays early in that game. However, it felt like the offense was the one that had the answer. Where when Purdue started to make a push late, you have that longer endo touchdown. The offense was the one that really iced it and put that game away. For me, on Saturday, it was the defense. Where Wisconsin's offense couldn't do much, often, a, a lot of the game, really. But every time Maryland got the ball back... Wisconsin's defense had the answer and they were able to play really the most complimentary game. I feel like they've played this year against a power five opponent at least. So yeah, story of the game too. I, it was the defense and it's really impressive because they get Alex Smith back. You mentioned they get Wohler back. Now this team feels like the one we thought we would see when the year started, right? Do, if, if they, if they dominate down the stretch, do I get to say, I told you so? No. A belated, I told you so, or be, at least it would be hilarious. No, it would, that would be the most Zach thing ever to be like, I was totally wrong earlier this season and be like, actually, you know what? I take that back. Nope. I was right. No, I don't think that's going to happen. You know what you could say when Deacon Hill goes, lights it up at another school. Well, you could be, you could be positive. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take that take back and be like, I told you, I told you so. Um, and Vito Calvaruso is going to hit like a 70-yard kick here at some point. And it's going to be In warm-ups? It's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm waiting for it, and uh, everyone's going to hear about it when it does happen. No, I, what they get defensively I, in this game, both of these rushing attacks came in averaging about the same number of yards. Maryland had actually had a, had a lot of success, about 170-some-odd yards rushing. And both defenses had at times been good against stopping the run, kind of middling in the Big Ten of stopping the run. Maryland did not stop the run whatsoever, and Wisconsin did. Maryland had 112 yards on the ground, but they averaged less than three yards per carry. Wisconsin, on the other hand, well over, it was 278, I think it was, 279, and they averaged six yards a carry. That's, to me, where the difference was. Wisconsin's defense was able to stop the run, force Maryland into long uh, yardage situations with that weather, and it just wasn't going to work. Even though uh, Tagabola, he looked hesitant a lot I thought um you know it wasn't until like that last drive that he really started letting it free um and I think that's kind of what I think a lot of people were scared about going into the game was that was kind of what he was going to be able to do the entire time and he didn't but yeah I mean Wisconsin's defense and then able to stop the run was a huge difference maker and they did it up front no Isaiah Mullins no Gio Paez in that game and then a lot you, of healthy Keanu Benton though oh yeah and, and sometimes Maryland decided not to block him which was odd. And the same thing with Nick Herbig. It's like Nick, uh, Nick Herbig's a great playmaker. And if you block him, he's probably still going to have an impact on the play. When you don't block him, he, I guarantee he's going to have an impact in the play. And that's exactly what happened on both of his sacks. Yeah, the front was awesome. I thought linebacker play was awesome as well, uh, getting guys in there. And then you mentioned the three safety by name because that's their position on the depth chart. Looks with Latu, Torchio, and Wohler. I mean, that works. That was something I was wondering out loud. Is this possible? Because clearly those three guys are playmakers. If you get them on the field, the defense is better. Question is how? And Leonard clearly had a plan for that. Right. And it it works against that offense and some of the formations that they're going to run, some of the personnel that they're going to throw at you. Right. Where you feel comfortable being able to have, uh, taking a linebacker off the field and you still have, you know, and using 
Hunter Wolder, who isn't, you know, it's not like he's like a, a ton smaller than some of the inside linebackers that they play right now, but uh, on the outside, asking him to hold up against a power running game that they're going to face this week against Iowa, I don't think we're going to see a ton of those three safety packages um, where you're taking linebackers off the field to put him on him on the field. Yes, also not that many people to defend uh, running down the field to receive. Not Not as many, no. And we'll get to that. We'll talk about Iowa coming up here in a bit. I, a bunch of other stuff from the game. Tell me if I'm crazy by saying this. Yep. Graham Mertz, 5 of 18, 77 yards, 4.3 yards uh, per attempt. No touchdowns, no interceptions. There were some drops. The ball was wet. It was just funky. And then the wind just totally destroyed some of his deeper balls. All things considered, I kind of thought he played really well. I don't, about, I don't know what played really well, but the only thing that mattered in that game, for me at least, passing-wise, and just ball control, don't turn it over. Like, that. that is on and. That's honestly what matter this weekend too. It's the, the conditions aren't going to be as bad, you know, uh, wind wise this week as they were last week. They're going to be bad down in Iowa City. It's going to be that. It's going to be cold. Yes, but uh, don't turn the ball over if you're Graham Mertz. Make some throws here and there. Let, give your guys a chance to make some plays. I thought he did give give his chance guys a couple of them to make plays, and either they didn't come up with him, or there was a flag. You know, but no, five, you're not going to get me to sit here and say he had a great game. I think he, I mean, he was 5 of 18. Um, yeah, probably shouldn't have taken as many deep shots as they did. I. It was, it was a weird game. It was, a, it was a very weirdly called game. I'll say that, uh, especially from Bobby Ingram. I'm not, I wasn't uh, on board with all the calls, especially uh, in, the, in the third quarter. Da- or, no, in the fourth quarter where they were down deep in Maryland's territory and decided to throw it as much as they did. So... It was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. It was a passing grade because he didn't turn it over. I thought there were a couple, and by playing really well, I guess, in the context of the wind and the weather. and I, I, The one-third down throw, right? Yes, to Chimredigia. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of, where it felt like, and that was a laser beam into the wind. It felt like overall when they needed a completion like that, when the game was still in question, he made it. And yes, the next thing I'd written down was, airing the ball down the field in the second half with those conditions, not going to work. Right? The wind was destroying those passes. Felt like they kept going to them, yeah. but that felt like a call thing more than the quarterback. I, I guess it's, you look at the stats, they don't look good, but at the end of the day, what did the team need him to do? I, pretty much exactly what he did. He could have done, uh, he could have done a little more, a little more efficient, but uh, there were some drops out there with the rain and stuff. Yeah. They, they needed him to hand it off, not turn it over, give the defense a chance, and the defense balled out. You mentioned the drive that they scored to make it 7 nothing, right? Yes. The only reason that gets going is because he hits Chimredika and a little slant for a first down on third and three. It was the first down, first, first down for either team in the game, and it was a big one. And so, yeah, he didn't play poorly. He just didn't play great. And I don't know what you would expect from a quarterback in those conditions. We saw, you know, Tiger Bowl that didn't necessarily uh, play very well either. Uh, that was the worst he's looked was. all season. Yeah, and again, you can, we can say sit here and say Wisconsin's defense was, was a big part of that. I think to an extent they were, but that weather was horrible. Um, as someone pointed out to me uh, as part of our Twitter questions for the camp, uh, go look at C.J. Stroud's numbers. Graham Mertz had a better day than C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud at ran. Least, at least throwing the ball. 
ran for 76 yards. He rushing did. quarterback. Rushing quarterback. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a brutal weather day in the Midwest. I enjoyed it. I, I, I really did. As someone, was I sitting outside? out there? No, I wasn't. But I had a lot of fun watching the action. That's the Big Ten part of me. I like when you put Northwestern and Ohio State to polar opposite teams talent-wise on the same field and something evens the playing field, and that was Mother Nature. I I think that's awesome. To me, that's why I would have, and I know if you're the better team, maybe you wouldn't like it. Maybe that's why Ohio State doesn't want to do it, but putting games, putting the Big Ten championship game outside, whether it's, or or playoff games outside, playing them at, at home stadiums, Lambeau Field, Soldier Field, Whatever stadium they're going to build down in Chicago when they move out of Chicago, uh, out in Arlington, like play those games there. Uh, you can play them. You can play them in uh, at Ford Field. You can play them up at uh, at the stadium in Minneapolis too. That's fine. But put it outside once or twice. It's okay. It's yeah. all right. One hundred percent. As long as it's not raining, I think people will be all right. I'm still down for that. Honestly, it was, honestly, I can't believe people stayed for that on Saturday. <laughs> I, no, no, I couldn't imagine. Being out, there. well, I shouldn't say it. I, where our tickets were, they were under the overhang, but it, it wouldn't have mattered because like the wind was blowing it. It just wouldn't have mattered. Shout out to the people. They had the House of Pain guy or jump around the front man. So I, I mean, here's the thing. My dad was very impressed by that. I didn't get it until I got it. Until given you my were told? age, yes, yeah, pretty much. Uh, a couple more quick hitters on this game. Other stuff. Do you think it was the best day? Overall, from the offensive line this season, performance-wise? It depends how you want to grade out all the hits that Graham Mertz took. Because I felt he took a bunch of hits. It's kind of what he's done uh, at times this year. Some of that, I feel like most of the year, it's been the offensive line. Kind of feel like he held on to it a little bit too long, trying not to make a mistake, trying to hold on to it until the bitter end. Um, So, I mean, if you want to take issues with some of that, you're more than welcome to in terms of the offensive line, but rushing the ball, yes, I do. Um, it was it was really really good, and it probably, in my opinion, I don't know if Braylon Allen would agree, but it could have been more if um, we the reappearance of dancing Braylon Allen hadn't uh, hadn't showed back up. So um, the way that the way that Isaac ran, the way that Braylon has run at times this year, I felt like could have been over 300 well over 300 if if they had taken advantage of all that stuff yeah decisiveness definitely was key with the field how it was I I did write down I wanted to see a little more Garendo before the touchdown I felt like he could just go forward and the offensive line was winning I guess yeah in the context of like they needed a running drive to take the lead and take control and the offensive line delivered yeah where they were able to dominate and score that way and was Grammar's perfectly protected? No. I, I'll give some credit that Maryland defensive front's pretty fast overall, yeah. uh, where they have done a pretty good job this season at uh, winning up there. Uh, not losing up there as much as they used to, I guess. The bar's low for Maryland in the Big Ten, but they've done better in that regard this season. Assuming nobody gets hurt in practice leading into this Iowa game, you're going to have your preferred starting offensive line in back-to-back weeks for the first time this year. Which is very exciting, right? Um, I mean, they've started seven different combinations in nine games, and I don't, you know, the combination they started twice was not the combination they wanted to, to be out there. So I, I definitely feel like what, with this group that they have right now is is the best that they have right now, the best five that they have, and the best five they can put on the field. 
and they're all in good spots and spots that they feel comfortable at, it's a, it's a recipe for very good, uh, for, for a very good stretch here these next three games. And huge, huge challenge. The, probably the biggest challenge I've had since Ohio State uh, going up against this front that I was going to present. Yeah, defense close to the top of the country there. We'll get into them uh, coming up here in about 10 minutes. Stick around. Two other things from the game, Zach. Interesting mix of suits and non-suits in the pregame attire. It, it was raining, so there was some rain attire there. Some suits, some non. Hard to go either way with that one. But the full red unis, I don't know how they are. Like I kind of like the red unis, but not in the soaking rain mm. for some reason. No specific one and, and nothing that can be argued because I, I don't have anything to back that up. That was just a thought I had. Yeah. But no, uh, no red pants, white combo. It, it was an interesting look. It clearly worked. I feel it definitely makes Isaac Arendo look faster wearing red while it's raining. And again, not something that can be argued because I have nothing to back it up there. Well, no, I mean, do you think it looks better in the rain when he's he's faster in looking that way in the red? Because we do have something to compare it to. He had the 82-yarder last year where he was wearing red and white and went like 21 miles an hour. Yeah, I, the rain, I guess, accelerate or the thought of rain. Because okay. it was nasty. Like, the wide receivers had some trouble running routes, uh, especially on the Maryland side, I felt like, yeah. throughout that game. So, um, good footing there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The other thing, the last one, is the post-game reaction with Mr. Leonard. Jimmy Cooks, alive and, and, and thriving. So The was, videos taken were impressive. I saw Aaron Witt there in oh, uniform. Okay. Getting my hopes up a bit for maybe, I, I hope he can return to the field. But I, I saw him in the video. That was all I had to say. The Jimmy Cooks thing started out as a joke. I've learned. Really? I learned that th- I learned that yesterday. I talked to Jordan Turner. Just ask about it because it's a little bit different vibe, you would say, with Jim Leonard entering the locker room as opposed to Paul Christ. And uh, I agree. He told me the story of how this started. He said, we, I don't know what, what song it was. It was, it was, different, it was a different uh, artist. And he told Jim Leonard in the locker room one day, he goes, oh, I got a song for you. I made the song for you. And he played it. And uh, Jim Leonard's go, I, I already have one. I already have a song. And he played Jimmy Cooks in the locker room across the blaring, uh, you know, in the locker room across the, uh, the sound system. Everyone went crazy laughing, laughing. And now it's become the postgame anthem. It's electric. This, that according to Jordan Turner when I talked to him yesterday. It's electric. The energy is very high. So, so just to say, Jim Leonard brought this up into these guys as opposed to the other way around. And I'm not saying that he's the one that pl- said play it after every game. I think it was just it took off because everyone found it so funny. And now it's, uh, it's played. And, it's, and he's like, he knows it. Do you hear like the, the videos? Oh, that's my cue. Yep. That's my cue as soon as it started blaring. Yep. Uh, the juice is there. Uh, juice brought by Leonard. Hire him, McIntosh, please. Let's get this done with. Name him full-time head coach. All right. That is Zach Heilprin. I'm Ben Kenny. Kenny and Heilprin podcast uh, always available if you miss a show. We're also live Thursday, 5 to 6, Monk's Bar and Grill, Sun Prairie. Special guests usually join us to talk Badger football. When we return, Zach... A lot of stuff to get to the college football playoff rankings allegedly just came out. I will note that they came out, probably tell you who it was not going to talk much about it because again, I'm anti playoff and everything relating to it. However, big week in the big 10 West. We talked a little Illinois, Michigan state 
but there was a big week across the division. We'll get into it when we return. Look at the rest of the season for the Badgers, rest of the season for the division. Is it really attainable for them to get back to Indy? That is all coming up next. It is Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. You know, obviously excited to get to this stretch of the schedule. Um, getting to the the trophy games and you know, to me rivalries are such a huge part of college football it's it's always an exciting thing to be a part of and we're going down to play Iowa who's playing very well right now it's gonna be a fun one you know I always love playing at their place great atmosphere and we know what they're about and they know what we're about so it's it's gonna be a really exciting day oh welcome back it's Kenny and Heilprin Wisconsin Iowa Saturday Zach, it is the official start of trophy game season, the second weekend in November where real rivalries are played. None of this buttoned up playoff, all that crap. Uh, the playoff rankings were announced, though. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, Oregon, LSU. And let's move on. <laughs> now, I have nothing significant. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan will hopefully be undefeated when they meet. And that'll decide a spot and maybe someone else gets in. Whatever. You think they're both getting in? I think there's a good chance both get in. Some good yeah, resumes that, that there. One has to be, I mean, it obviously has to be close one way or the other. Yeah, they don't have the SEC thing that Georgia and Bama did last year. Same, similar scenario when they played each other. I don't know. I, it feels like Georgia's going to win again. And it's cool. Does Tennessee's win over Alabama lose something because now Alabama's lost twice and both in last second plays? Yeah, a little bit. I I, I think Tennessee's offense is, is so clearly great. I, a testament to Georgia that they shut them down. I think we'll see Tennessee come right back and go off against a couple teams and show that, okay, they just lost to the best team in the country on the road. They really are that caliber. Yeah, the win loses a little merit, but Bama's been struggling on the road. Texas, an, a near win, should have lost if viewers doesn't go down. They lose to Tennessee, and now this against Mr. Kelly and LSU in overtime. I don't know. It's it's an interesting year. A lot of parity. No Bama or Clemson in the top six for the first time ever, I believe. Yep. Hate to see it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to concern myself with games like Iowa 24, Purdue 3, Zach, that happened on Saturday. I was back. What I was all, I was offense as a juggernaut per Ben Ben Kenny. What a freaking game. It was awesome. The wind was whipping everywhere. Spencer Petrus was completing passes. No, Ma- he, no, he wasn't. Come on now. I can't tell if maybe there was some the wind is correcting the auto miss and then makes it into a completion. Like when you take a take a nine iron and shank it right or just flail it right. But then cause the winds right to left, it knocks it right in line. I, I wonder if that was a play, but yeah, Iowa is playing better on offense than they played. That is what I'll say. And the Badgers go play them this weekend. I was averaged six yards per play. Each of his last two contests, Northwestern Purdue, 57 points total. They found somewhat uh, a good option at running back. Petrus is, again, not turning it over, completing passes. They're no longer doing the three-play, negative eight-yard field goal drive when the defense gives them the ball in the 10. They haven't done that the last two weeks. Correct. Right. Okay. So we're, all right. so we're drawing large uh, 
belief and what we know about Iowa's offense has changed completely based on two weeks against Northwestern and Purdue. Yeah, they're playing well. I mean, you okay, look... No, I'm, okay, I'm saying okay. All right, if that's what we're going to do, okay. That's fine. I'm cool with that. Well, you look before that and the teams they played were Ohio State, who has a very good defense, Illinois, who has one of the best defenses in the country, and Michigan, who also has one of the best defenses in the country. So some of those crazy, insane, bad struggles did happen against the best. And now they're doing okay, not as bad against the worst. It's probably somewhere in the middle. They still suck on offense. It's just not as disastrous. My big, my question here is, would you call their defense elite? Yes. And not, not Minnesota elite, just the actual word elite? At least top 10 in the country. All right. If not better. And their defense is poor, or their offense is poor. One of the worst in the country B- below still. average. Yes. Oh, uh, very bad. Okay. Poor. So you have th- those two. Would you rather be that, or would you rather be Wisconsin with, I think you could call an average offense at this point? Would you call it average? Above average. Above average. And would you call their defense above average? Yeah. So would you rather have that or that? I would rather be where Wisconsin is. I'm not, this is not a catch question. I'm, I was thinking about it all the way in. They have an elite unit on defense. It's like it will keep them in games. It will force turnovers. It will lead to you know short fields for an offense that, while is poor, as you indicated, seems to be gaining a little bit of confidence. They found some things, uh, the offense line, a young offense line pretty much all year, playing better. I don't I, – my only hang-up is Spencer Petras. Like, that's my hang-up here in, in, in trying to decide which one I would rather have – for this particular game, not going forward or anything like that, but this particular game, I don't know how many points Wisconsin's be able to score on them. And I don't think they're going to score a ton on Wisconsin. So then it's just about the elite defense giving them short fields that could potentially lead to points. Yes. And, and the other way around. I think Wisconsin's passing rush, uh, pass rush with a healthy Nick Herbig or healthier Nick Herbig and Keanu Benton in the middle is going to be hell but i also just wisconsin is not an elite defense at this point iowa is yes i the same way iowa's offense has improved a bit with health as we mentioned wisconsin's units on both sides have been playing better as time has gone on under jim leonard there's one other variable in this and iowa has the best punter in the country so when you talk about one offense on one side and a defense on the other tory taylor when you pair him with the terrible offense, at least you know the Iowa defense usually goes to work when Petrus doesn't turn it over in deep in opponent territory, which has led to a lot of big time plays for them. So you got to throw Tory Taylor in there. I can throw Tory Taylor, and then you can throw Andy Vujinovich in there and be like, you know, it's not that big of a difference between the two. Go go look at the numbers; they're not that much different. It feels like it, maybe I'm sure it just, feels like it's different because. Iowa punts a whole lot more than Wisconsin does, and <laughs> they needed him to be awesome, but Andy has been pretty darn good. He's had, like, one off game. Otherwise, he's been pretty good dropping things inside the 10, just like your boy Tory Taylor. Yeah, the wind was tough last week as yeah, well. It, yeah, for sure. That's so, not to say it's not going to play a huge role, huge role. It's going to. It's the only, I mean, field position and and, and uh defense stop get that smile off your face man get that smile off your face no one likes that mid-november most people do do not like that the totals in the low 30s 
It's the lowest total in the uh, in the country this this week. Really, thirty five and a half. I think. Oh, that's awesome. the The, the weather's not going to be great. It's going to be cold. People in the stands are going to wear winter jackets. You're Punters gonna, are going to be the MVPs. Come gonna, on, you're going to pick against Wisconsin. It's it's going to be just <laughs> it's just it's what November's about. I actually sitting here on Tuesday. If if this line is even, which is what I've seen most recently, I love Wisconsin at that number. Where have you seen it even? It moved from two and a half or one and a half to even. I've seen it all over the place, and well, you, you could track that down. I don't know what it's, it's at right now. I've it is still. Half, yeah. I've I, seen it. Yeah, I desperately kind of want it to be like I, I Wisconsin plus plus a half just so, to get just to throw that that stupid stat out the window. So I, you know, why? Because I found myself using it, and I don't like using it. It's your stat, and yet I found myself using it. The stat that Wisconsin has not been an underdog to not Ohio State to anybody not named Ohio State. The 2018 pinstripe bowl. Yes, it's a great stat, yeah. and I hope it continues because <laughs> it's fun. Because because the team has a average record since the 2018 pinstripe bowl overall with 2020 21 this year like not top of the line yet they haven't been an underdog they've only played ohio state what three times in that span 2019 twice, twice. And, 19 and once this year and then this year yeah so uh i i can't wait for saturday i'm gonna be a little kid on christmas eve ready to wake up for this one because you got purdue against illinois at 11 and something deep in the gut zach says this could be the week where Purdue had two terrible performances by Aiden O'Connell. Part of it was the wind on Saturday. Part of it, Iowa's defense just intercepts everything you overthrow. And they got him. And they I feel like they have gotten him in general. I feel like this is the week Purdue just goes off and, and scores 40 and trounces Illinois. There's no basis behind that except for I'm talking myself into it. But I think Purdue's facing some adversity. Illinois down. And Illinois, I will mention, if we want to talk Michigan State 23, Illinois 15, Illinois played fine. They just turned the ball over in the red zone. They had a punt blocked. So that doesn't sound like they played fine. Well, things like that shifted the game. And Mel Tucker desperately tried to give that game away. Desperately tried to give that game away in in the final, after they got the fourth down stop. There were a lot of people. It was was done. The game was done. If he just runs the ball, even if you don't get a first down, you know, there's 20 seconds left on the clock. You missed the field goal, right? Like they missed the, even if you missed the field goal, if you run it three straight times, there's there's 20 seconds left on the clock. Instead, you gave them a minute and something to go down and try and score, and you're lucky they didn't. Oh, there were so many people. It's not my bit at all, but I had mentioned during the game that there's a situation in East Lansing. I think half the people tweeting about it weren't watching the game because it was an entertaining game, but everyone you know saw the field goal miss and going crazy. I guarantee you most of the people starting to tweet out Wisconsin's path to win the West were not watching what was unfolding because it was brutal. You weren't watching him. You, 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 I, mean, I shouldn't say you weren't watching. You had given them the win before that, that final drive that what Mel Tucker was trying to do there. Yes, I did. But I, I clearly I put it in a caption below it that I even I thought Mel Tucker was better than that and apparently not or almost not. Um, but all, all the second half chatter with when Michigan State was up eight or up by however much. Oh, Wisconsin can do this to win the West. I think, come on now. You haven't watched enough Michigan State football if you think this game is over. And it wasn't. Hey, Brett Bielma and Michigan State usually has not been a great combination for Brett Bielma. And, uh, I mean, save for the 2011 Big Ten Championship game, a whole lot of, whole lot of uh, not-so-great things have happened. He was salty after the game, too. 
Did you see the quote? The funniest thing in the world. It's the funniest thing in the world because I went and if you remember back, you probably don't remember this, but when he went to Arkansas, he hated the the spread or the spread offense, the the hurry up offense. He said it should be outlawed because of injuries, the potential for injuries for guys that are on the field. Like it it leads to more injuries. That was his that was his thing ten years ago, and now <laughs> after watching Michigan State, perhaps perhaps fake some injuries while his team was running the hurry up offense or the speeded up offense, him complaining about it. It, it came full circle. Salty it was, Brett. it was hilarious, yeah. but Hey, uh, that's fine. That's my guy. Brett's my guy. Uh, me and him boys. Can't wait to talk to him at big 10 media days next year. Try and get unblocked again. Still blocked. Still blocked. Gotcha. He's not going to do it in season. Well, he's, I'm sure it's on his, you never know. I know it's on his list of things to do. Illinois is six and a half point favorites at home against Purdue this weekend. That game's before the Iowa Wisconsin game. Everybody should tune in. We are all Boilermakers, all Charlie Jones fans, all AOC fans. Let's go big, biggest weekend for AOC ever. Uh, after I, it might be a big week for the other AOC. I have no idea. Um, all right. <laughs> So interesting week in the West. Uh, you also have Minnesota beat Nebraska. They came back like Nebraska got up. Minnesota had the backup in because Morgan is banked up and he came and he ran a bit, provided a boost, you know, fine. A good, solid win. Wisconsin better beat Nebraska if Casey Thompson's there or not, because that defense sucks. <laughs> and Mo Ibrahim is very banked up. That's also something to monitor. That dude plays through everything, which very impressive. Also, Another two weeks from now, we'll see how he looks. All right. It is Kenny and Heilprin. When we return, uh, Wisconsin basketball did play. We will give them some minutes. They're 1-0, undefeated. Hang the banner. We'll talk about them when we return. Also, some more thoughts on Wisconsin-Iowa. Leonard, Mr. Jim Leonard, talked about the Iowa offense. I'll play you that coming out of the break. And then, uh, keys to the game. Initial thoughts on this Tuesday before we get into it more. Thursday, live at Monk's Bar and Grill, 5 to 6 o'clock. Come say hello. And the podcast of all shows, if you miss them, are available. Search Kenny and Hyoprin. When we return, Wisconsin versus Iowa. Keys, talking points, general thoughts as we enter a massive, massive weekend for me and for the Wisconsin Badgers as well. That's next. This is Kenny and Hyoprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. I think they've accepted who they are and how they have to win, and they're playing with a lot of confidence and, and finding ways to move the football, you know, finding ways to, to get some points on the board. And uh, it starts with the run game up front. You know, we, we have to win the line of scrimmage against these guys. That's the same year in and year out. But, yeah, I think they're getting confident kind of at the right time of the season for them. All right, welcome back. That is Jim Leonard. They have – Iowa has – uh, they've found what they need to do to win, I, I guess. They've accepted uh, who they are. Yes, that was the man. What a what a quote. Love that quote. Uh, they have accepted who they are. Brian Ferentz, eh, who knows? Uh, I guess he's accepted who he is. He just hasn't improved much upon well, whatever. Apparently, he's got one of the best offenses in the country the last two weeks. Uh, again, NFL interest. Many are wondering if it will come now that they've been able to run the ball. Caleb Johnson, 22 carries, 200 yards, a touchdown against Purdue. And he's finally getting some carries after only, you know, getting double-digit carries in four of the previous five games. He got 20 carries against Purdue, yes. So I, when you look at this game. And they did literally nothing in the second half outside of that wrong, long touchdown run, right? It was tough. Uh, t- don't, don't, tough don't. weather. 
Uh, they were up. They the were win, sitting on it. It was tough. It was tough. The wind was tough going in one direction, right? So or was it tough going both ways? It was yes. tough in general. Yes. It was tough weather. Are they a good? They're not a good offensive team. They have risen from 130 in the country to 100. They still suck. I feel like, but I, I but feel as, like you're building them up. As somebody who was over the top, probably to a fault, gone after them all season because they have literally were setting records for the worst offense ever. I'm. I feel like I need to say they have made little improvements. Okay. They are more competent than they used to be. All right. I don't mean that to say I think they're going to have success. When we talk about keys to this game Saturday, I mean, if if Wisconsin can force them to drive the whole field, Wisconsin will win the game. If they don't give them very short fields on turnovers, mostly uh, an interception, the own red zone, a fumble, things that the Iowa defense is great at, special teams wise, if, if they force the Hawkeyes to start at, at no past, I don't know, midfield, like if the average starting position is by their own 30, the Hawkeyes, I think Wisconsin wins this game easily. I don't think Iowa can do enough. However, if Wisconsin Mertz th- overthrows, if there's a fumble, a special teams play, they get backed up deep, Iowa starts getting the ball at the plus 40 and the plus 35, which is how they win, then yeah, their offense is now good enough to at least take advantage of those spots. All right. That's where I'm at. Okay. When you look at the when you look at this game overall, you mentioned it a bit, turnovers uh, is a big thing. Uh, any large keys? when it comes to this matchup or is it just you got to do what you do better than pretty much your mirror image, which is Iowa. Well, you've said that Spencer Petras doesn't turn the ball over, right? For the last two weeks. I think it's, I think that's uh, a significant thing. Wisconsin is intercepting passes as, as well as anybody in the country. Um, I believe they have, they've now got 15. Uh, I don't know if, did Illinois have any last week? I don't think so. I'll check. Okay. If, if they didn't, then Wisconsin and Illinois are tied for the most in the country with 15. Iowa and Spencer Peters, I feel like I feel like they're going to be able to get some pressure on them, and there's going to be some opportunities to get some turnovers with Spencer Peters. Iowa had one, so no, no, Wisconsin, Illinois. That's what I meant. Wisconsin trails. All right, so Illinois. Illinois, by one. Had, Illinois has 16 interceptions. Wisconsin has 15. They've got John Torchio, who uh, <laughs> has been able to step in front of a lot of passes. Alexander Smith playing really well. They've got a nice little duo on the other side, and Justin Clark and. Jay Shaw kind of swapping, not swapping series, but sharing time. And then, you know, Cedric Dort, sometimes Max Lofi. They, they've, they've kind of gotten their whole secondary working the way that they want it to these, these last couple of weeks. And I think that could be a problem for, for Spencer Petras. And so, yes, I think turnovers is, is huge. Whichever quarterback does not make the killer mistakes deep in their own ter- territory has a very good chance of winning. If neither one does, I think it, it benefits Wisconsin because I think they're a little bit more explosive offensively. Definitely. A similar vibe of the Talia Mertz showdown in the weather where I thought whichever quarterback doesn't hand the ball away, which Talia did once, I felt like that team would go a long way towards deciding it. Well, that that and also uh, the snapper, um, you know, actually getting the ball to the quarterback as opposed to some of the snaps that the Maryland center was was putting all over the place. Yeah, those were not good. And uh, by the way, Iowa wide receiver Nika Nico Ragaini, no longer Ragaini. He gave some clarification on that, so he is now Ragaini. I'll make sure to put which, that in my notes. Yeah, I'm sure is kind of. Uh, I hope to never have to say the name. It's not the first thought, but yeah, Sam Laporta tight end as well. He is their passing offense. So can you stop him? Move him everywhere. They put him everywhere. They move him everywhere. They get him involved in a whole bunch of different places. It's, 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 I think he could have a big game. 
I would agree generally. I will see how Wisconsin defends him. Are we talking mostly safeties on him? Which safeties do it? I, I think that's a big key uh, as to how they do it. Or more zone looks like with Torchio coming down on, on AOC. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm excited. I can't wait. All right. When we return, a couple minutes. Wisconsin basketball got a win. We'll talk about it next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back. It is Kenny and Heilprin. We are back. It is a Tuesday. We're live 5 to 6 Monks Bar and Grill Thursday. 5 to 6 again. Come hang out. Say hello. Zach, Badger basketball, 1-0 on the season. Raise the banner. They're playing in Milwaukee on Friday. Uh, apparently, Greg Gard was dressed impressively, and people made a big deal. I, I'm still not getting over his dancing video that came out very secretively during uh, the offseason. But what would you think? A uh, 85-59 win over South Dakota, 47-31 in the second half. A lot of threes or a success from 46% from the Badgers. Uh, what would you think from the win? I think Tyler Walls poised to have a huge season the way that he's playing still not much of a shooter but he's, he's just so versatile he can do so many different things offensively defensively Chucky Hepburn off to a little bit of a slow start but got hot uh in the sec you know after a little bit at the, after getting benched got hot and uh you know Connor Asijan dude's a, a sharp shooter and I think he's gonna have a, a big role in in this team there are some other very interesting pieces to it but I think we're gonna learn more about those guys as, as we get going but Tyler Wall Chucky, uh, Chucky Hepburn, Connor Asijan, three things that st- stood out for me. Proclamation I'm in on Connor Asijan. All right. Just generally. I'm excited for that. Tyler Walt, 9 of 10 from the free throw line. Huge. I, I Very am, uneven half-life. Exactly. That is exciting because he'll get there a lot. He shot like 70% last year. If he could start knocking 80%, that's really encouraging. Um, and, and yet, I'm still in on Jordan Davis. Not, not the best offensive game. One of those shots looked like it was going to go in. It felt like it was going in. It was down. That's what I'm saying. That's what a lot of his shots are like. <laughs> uh, Badgers, Stanford, Friday, American Family Field. Open the roof, cowards. All right, that's going to do it for us. He is Zach Heilprin. I'm Ben Kenny. Podcast up after the show. We will be back. Monk's Bar and Grill, 5 to 6 on Thursday. Talk to you then. See ya. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.